0: Hello and welcome to Cult Classic Society, the podcast where I, Bobby Davis, and my pal Tim Martini. Hello. We go through movies, we go through television shows, we go through comic books, video games, any media that we want to discuss, you're going to have to listen. So just accept it, all right? Sorry, I got a bit overstimulated there. <laughs> Uh, this this time, time we lose listeners, Bobby. <laughs> Don't fret, and Dan. This time we are going to talk about one of my favourite movies, High Fidelity, based on a book by one of my favourite authors of the same name. But before we get onto that, Tim, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. We're still in October at the time of
1: recording, and I've been celebrating by watching a bunch of horror movies. Oh, for fuck's sake? Of course, you have. <laughs> well, mainly ones that I haven't seen before, because you know, oh, nice. expand my palette. I mean, I say, I say that I did an all-night marathon of the Evil Dead movies at the Prince Charles Cinema, which yeah. was a fun experience. Uh, it didn't look fun on your Instagram, reels. You looked like just relieved to get through each one. I, I was relieved to get through the remake, <laughs> <laughs> but I also watched the Five Nights at Freddy's movie on opening night. That's the experience. The crowd literally treated it like it was Avengers Endgame. Oh, for fuck's sake!
0: <laughs> literally cheering every like yeah, Easter all egg when it came out, weren't you? So-
1: I mean, I wasn't even a big fan of the games. I was just interested in seeing it
0: because the movie came out three years too late. But, you know, it's here. It missed the wave, for sure. Yeah. Right, so, High Fidelity. One of my favourite movies. I used to work in a record store. At one point, I ran the record section. This movie speaks to me for all (laughs) reasons. In fact, when I was working at the record store, when I'd not been there long... One of the older boys who worked there till after I left as well, he worked there for 30 plus years, loved his job, loved talking about music, Was said to me, you've not seen High Fidelity? I was like, no. Nah. Like, go watch High Fidelity. <laughs> cool. Del Boy, you were right. <laughs> the book of High Fidelity is set in London. Oh. Nick Hornby is an English writer. They reset it for Chicago to cast John Cusack. John Cusack actually helped with the screenplay as well. Nice. When Nick Hornby was asked about this. He said the story's not about the location. So the story's still exactly the same. Yeah. You've just changed the locale. Fine. It doesn't affect anything else about the story. So, yeah, he's happy with it. Released in 2000, and it was directed by Stephen Frears. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's like Fears with an R between the F and F Frears. Frears, Frears, yeah. And I think he helped. It was him and Cusack who, with uh, input from Nick Hornby who wrote the screenplay. Nice. We start the movie, and really nice title sequence, I think, the record spinning, and the name of the movie comes up. I thought it was very cool. We meet Rob straight away. Rob is your protagonist, played by John Cusack, legend, love Cusack. He is listening to a record and looking sad. Now, I didn't know what this record was, actually. It's the first time I've ever looked it up, because I've never had the inclination to listen to it. It doesn't sound (laughs) like my kind of thing. And it's called You're Gonna Miss Me, Baby, by a band called The 13th Floor Elevators. (laughs) And he asks a question that he's also posited in the book, and I, it's quite poetic. I think I've seen it on T-shirts as well. What came first, the music or the misery? <laughs> Rob talks directly to camera about worrying about, you know, the public worry about kids playing violent video games and watching violent movies when they literally listen to hours, like thousands of hours of miserable pop records about rejection and heartbreak. And, you know, why are they not worried about this affecting kids? This is this kind of narrative... Tool of Rob speaking directly to the camera is kind of the linchpin of the movie. Yeah. What do you think about that? I like it. I I always love a
1: good fourth wall break.
0: Yeah, it's quite And quite the great.
1: fact that, that that's what it is for the entire movie. Yeah, I'm
0: happy with that. Sorry, I didn't even ask you. Have you? What do you know about Fidelity? If anything, you quoted at your wedding. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. That's yeah. all. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. It's, it's one of my favourite movies. This is where Rob posits the question. Did I listen to pop music because I was miserable, or was I miserable because I listened to pop music? That's kind of becomes the theme of the movie. He relates everything back to music. It's always about music. There's music for every situation that he gets himself into. While he's positing this, Rob watches his now ex, who's moving out of the apartment, Laura. Yeah. And she is kind of collecting her stuff and leaving. I can't blame her. (laughs) <laughs> I, I genuinely can't blame her yeah he's a bit of a narcissist isn't he <laughs> he's such a miserable prick and as this is happening Laura li- uh, Rob lists off his five most memorable breakups directly to camera and he says they're all about her and Laura doesn't quite make the list as he screams at her there's no room for you in the top five he says if you really wanted to mess me up you should have gotten to me earlier <laughs> Rob tells us about number 1 on his all-time breakup list, Alison Ashmore, a girl he got with in middle school, I believe it is. All they did was make out for a few days, but this was his first ever rejection as a teenager. Yeah. Which I don't know if you remember your first rejection as a teenager Tim. It's it's, it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he catches her making out with another guy a few days later. I thought no, it was the same afternoon. No, no. It was, it was half an hour later. No, he does. He says they made out. They went out for six hours total. Ah. two hours after school for three days on the trot, and on the fourth day he come to make out with her, and she was making out with another guy. Oh wow! Called Kevin Bannister, and what really makes laugh, there's an unnamed friend with him. You don't know who he is. We never yeah. see him again. He does not a recurring character. <laughs> it's just his teenage friend, and they're just staring at her making out with this guy. And he, this little kid just goes, "Slut!" <laughs> 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 for fuck's sake. <laughs> Such like already straight on the misogyny train yeah. This film does ride. Roald tells us he likes to think that things have changed since he was 14 years old, but every relationship he's had has had elements of that first breakup. Yeah. And he moves on to number two, Penny Hardwick, who was his high school girlfriend. Now we actually, so in the middle school one, it wasn't John Cusack playing him, it was yes. a teenager. In the high school one, it is Cusack, He's dressed so... in like a leather jacket and, and, looking, shitty for... wig. and looking 40 still. <laughs> she was a nice girl, but uh, wouldn't let Rob touch her up. Yeah. She wanted to wait. And... That's for a while, what a gentleman. Yeah, he admits he wasn't interested in her nice qualities, typical teen, he just yeah. wanted her body. He says, uh, after, so he does this really horrible thing, where she invites him in, and he says, what's the point? It never goes anywhere and leaves. Yeah. And then he finds out, you see it here via the voiceover and you hear another teenage boy kind of discussing it, that after she broke up with it, or he broke up with her, she slept with someone quite yeah. quickly. And he was like, oh my God, she slept with this jerk after three dates. Yeah. What, what's wrong with me? <laughs> so we're getting a, a nice picture of Rob. What do you think? What do you think of Rob? Misogynistic <laughs> prick. Yeah. yeah he's, he's, a, he's a grumpy arsehole right now. Well, he's taken us on a journey, though. Yeah. A journey of his own fucking horrible opinions of women. Yeah. <laughs> Rob takes us to his record shop, which I like the name of. Championship Vinyl. That's a good name. <laughs> he picks a neighbourhood that would attract the bare minimum of window shoppers. He gets by on loyal clientele of young men, nerds who are looking for deleted Smith singles and original Frank Zappa pressings. <laughs> yeah, these guys. And we would... In my old job, we had like record store day and we would have the people like queuing outside for really? record store day. And I once went to Brighton uh, when I was living in Brighton. I went to, the re- there's hundreds of little record stores, in hundreds, but there's quite a few little record stores yeah, in Brighton. Yeah. And the queues for all of them were insane.
1: There was a, in my old place, there was a record store literally across the road from it. Flashback Records? Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's a chain or whatever, but.
0: No, I think it's a, an independent. I yeah, think it's just the one.
1: Yeah, that was the one that literally crossed the road from me. Oh,
0: nice. So it's nice to go in there sometimes. and just pick up CDs. Nice, yeah. I picked up some rare vinyl, but I got the She and Him, Zoe Deschanel's band. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got uh, like an orange pressing of one of theirs on Record Store day once. It's the only one I can remember off the top of my head. (laughs) Rob said he feels guilty about taking the money of these nerds. Well, he would if he wasn't one of them. (laughs) (laughs) One of his staff comes in and says immediately... He had a good weekend. And you find out why he had a good weekend is because he found a rare record he's been looking for. Yeah. And that's enough to make his weekend. Uh, this character is called Dick. And I quite like Dick. He's a bit shy. Yeah. Yeah. A bit a bit, a bit reserved. Yeah. But you know, he's nice to people. Yes, he is. He's very friendly. Rob and Dick uh, start working and quietly listening to Bell and Sebastian. As oh, possibly the best character of the movie Yeah. Burst through the door. <laughs> Barry. Who plays Barry? Jack Black. Fucking Jack Black. And then apparently, when they wrote the screenplay version, there is he, he is a character in the, the book as well, but they were like, this has to be Jack Black. It's got to be Jack Black. And apparently Jack wasn't interested at first. What? Or interested at first, sorry. And then he changed his mind and was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it, whatever. And he bursts in and says, that the Bell and Sebastian CD sucks. And he puts on his new Monday morning playlist and it starts with Walking on Sunshine <laughs> and Rob tells him if he wants to put on a Monday morning playlist he should probably show up in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he tells him to turn it off but then Barry's dancing and he's dancing he's like miming tonguing someone. <laughs> so gross. how have- Rob is like fallen over the counter to try and turn it off. Yeah, he just wants to listen to something he can ignore. Barry calls it his special Monday morning tape. Barry and Dick argue about different like so Barry's like don't you want to know what's on it? And he says what's on it, and Dick says, "Oh, this is like no, that
1: version's bullshit."
0: <laughs> like, how could it be bullshit to prefer a, a version of a song? Yeah, it's
1: like how could it be bullshit to state
0: a preference? <laughs> he thought Barry thought the tape would be a conversation starter. They could discuss even more <laughs> top five things because it's their favorite hobby. As we discuss through the film, see through the film, is discussing top fives for different scenarios. Yeah, because they're nerds. <laughs> rob says to the camera i hired them to work three days a week and they just started showing up every day and he can't find he can't fire them because he only pays them for three days a week and they work well six or seven I yeah suppose. rob tells us about breakup number three charlie nicholson who was rob's college girlfriend who is played by catherine ceter jones yeah what a what a big hitter right straight off the bat that that shocks me yeah well, Rob was clearly really into her thought she was fucking brilliant said brilliant things and thought she was super intelligent and insightful and even this, the first time I even watched the movie I looked at her and went oh, she sounds like a dick like listening to her talk and, I was like she's clearly not paying attention yeah we'll we get it later that she's clearly a dick Rob says he never got comfortable in their two year relationship like Charlie like asking why Charlie would go out with someone like him he was always paranoid about her leaving him for someone on her design department and she did yeah fucking Marco <laughs> there's, a, there's a line I was just like and found to my surprise I flunked out of school yeah we get to that in a second sorry he's, there's a really good bit where he's like in the rain screaming out yeah. at her apartment it's like Charlie you bitch let's work it out <laughs> fucking super neck beard kind of uh, behaviour honestly all he needs is a fedora yeah and then as you said what happens I found to my surprise I flunked out of school <laughs> Two months later, and he came around that he was working in the record store. <laughs> not, ever, not championship though, this is a different one. You, you ever go on to spenders, you know, like two months, or so he just have a job. <laughs> I've got a job and I don't go to college anymore. <laughs> uh, he says, some people don't get over Nam or the night their band opened for Nirvana. Rob never got over Charlie. He didn't get over any of them. No, clearly not. Uh, Rob says, says, you've got to punch your weight. He's not the smartest. But he's not the dumbest. But Charlie was out of his league. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, I don't know if I quite frankly agree with that because I don't know. Leagues seem such an arbitrary thing. Well, it's just, it's like a
1: high school like social hierarchy thing. Oh, right? yeah, for sure. It's like, a nerd won't date a cheerleader, that kind of thing. It's the other way around, mate. Right, I mean, way no, then. I mean, that's <laughs> what I mean. The cheerle- a nerd won't date a cheerleader because she's out of his league. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's unattainable. Yeah, But. The older you get, you realise that's stupid. Oh, it's dumb, yeah.
0: Rob calls... Oh, sorry.
1: Laura calls the record store. She does, yeah. Because she
0: wants to pick up her stuff. And Rob ends the conversation all huffy. Of course he does. And then we we can hear a customer in the shop and he's asking to buy... I love this scene. I don't know why, it just tickles me. Because it reminds me of how you feel about customers sometimes. Although, this is over the top. (laughs) he <laughs> can hear someone saying oh I just want to buy uh, I just called to say I love you for my daughter and Barry refuses the customer the record because he says it's sentimental tacky crap and tells him to fuck off to the mall he's <laughs> like no way your daughter likes that record yeah <laughs> and Barry and Rob argue about being nice to customers Barry's like we don't even have the record anyway and he's never going to come back so it's, like, it's not the point I need the money <laughs> Barry says Rob's sweater is a Cosby sweater, which is a much more interesting insult now. Yeah, I said, that, I said that's gone worse of age. <laughs> yeah, that's so much worse. Being compared to Cosby is not the way to go. No. And this is where they almost have a fight. Yeah. Rob grabs Barry by the coat and shakes him. <laughs> but he does just, he just kind of give up quite quickly. But Barry's like, this is vintage. I'll suck you in the face. He doesn't do anything. Rob decides he's like, I've had enough. And he goes and hides him back. And Dick comes to check on him. Poor Dick, I love Dick. He's such a good guy. He just wants to be nice to everyone. Yeah, and Rob tells Dick about the breakup. He's so timid, bless him. Rob comes home and finds some of Laura's clothes. And he leads him to a rant saying about how women only save their best underwear for the nights they're out. Like he,
1: he sniffs the underwear as well. Yeah. That's... What a creep.
0: Just a creepy bit, yeah. And we learn about breakup number four. Sarah. Sarah, indeed. Go on, t- talk us through Sarah, Tim.
1: Well, the whole thing was, so they both had gotten dumped. Yeah. So the whole thing that was, let's just be together kind of thing. But then she dumps Rob and he goes, that violated our whole agreement.
0: <laughs> I of the like. there's a really good kind of bit of dialogue in here. And it, it really, I think I watched this film probably the first time, I was probably about 22. And it made me really think about this, what he says, which is like, we were frightened of being a, a left alone for the rest of our lives. Only people of a certain disposition are frightened of being alone for the rest of their lives at 26. <laughs> but yes, this is true. <laughs> God, i a year off from that. Yeah. Are you frightened of being left alone? Not really. Then you're not of the disposition yeah. that they were. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because I had a discussion with someone about this the other day, actually. Well, I say. It, was it after watching this movie? <laughs> it, it, I did actually watch the movie, but it, it wasn't because of the movie. It was our uh, mates drinking. It's like five lads and then. Lads, one, lads, lads, lads. Then one of them brought um, his girlfriend down. So, me and my friend, we have this running joke of being scared of women. We're not <laughs> a lot. <laughs> well, actually, like horror movies scared. No, no, no. <laughs> like scared to talk to them because, <laughs> you know, they're intimidating. And she ever heard this and went, actually, like, sincerely went, don't be afraid. And I'm like, I would explain we're not. But she was like, just explain, like, how it took her a while getting used to being alone. Then, what she did that, she was able to start dating. I was like, well, yeah, that's what it is, right?
0: Yeah, you have to be comfortable with yourself.
1: Be, yeah, be comfortable with yourself and then go out and date because then you're also portraying the best version of yourself by doing that.
0: Welcome to Life Advice with Tim and Bobby. <laughs> it, it's No, it's, you are right. It, you. It's common sense. If you can't be comfortable alone, then you can't be comfortable in a
1: relationship. Because I know people who, like, they're not comfortable by themselves and when they try and talk to people, like, romantically... There's always a hint of like I'm doing this this because I want to make you happy. So don't 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 leave me. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, just never be that person.
0: So despite the fact that they were with each other only hours ago, Dick randomly decides to check on Rob when Rob's at home. Rob is reorganising his records. Also biographically. Yes, this is great. Dick invites Rob to a gig by an artist called Marie Desalle. But before they, before Dick decides to leave, he says. What are you, what are you organizing these by? Chronological? No. Alphabetical? No. autobiographical? And this is stunning to dig, it's like the best thing he's ever heard. And the system is demented. It's like based on remembering, I was going to give this person a gift, but then I decided not to, and I have to remember that, and that goes here in my personal timeline in 1978 or whatever. How do you um, organize things? Like so, records, movies, games, whatever. How do you organize them? So when I was younger, and I had, I don't have as many DVDs anymore. I gave them all to charity. But I used to work in a shop that gave me them for cheap or sold me them for cheap. Fair. But I used to have probably a thousand, and they were organized. TV and film were split. Yeah. But then they were organized with by what was my favorite. Nice. Favorite top, and working my way kind of down. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Because with my movies, I organized them. Um, chronologically by release date in cinema so at the top of my shelf would be like 80s like 50s, 80s movies and yeah. all the way down to the bottom is like current day ah, uh, nerdy <laughs> it's nerdy but um, it helps diversify the placement of everything because yeah. I have a lot of like classic movies that have been redistributed through like Arrow Video so you get like all these like, really cool like different um...
0: oh they have Blu-ray special editions look yeah. cool
1: yeah. yeah, Blu-ray's like special editions covers and like there's still books plotted everywhere and I just like the f- idea that I'm not having to look at the same place. Like you don't have even have either one, even have two, even every like all
0: in one go. I uh, see. uh If I was not going to do it by favourite, I would do it by alphabetical. So that's because I did yeah. that for years at work. Yeah, cool. that's fair. I also just like the
1: idea that if I want to look for a specific era of movies, I know where to
0: look. Yeah, I fancy something old. Yeah. Straight to the top. Exactly. Rob's mum calls and she talks down to Rob like from the beginning she's already talking down to him and then he tells her that Laura broke up with him and all of a sudden she's just berating him.
1: It's like, you're lucky I'm married, I have kids.
0: He thinks she's going to struggle and he's like, I survived before, I'll be fine, (laughs) fuck off. Rob's like, well, I've had enough, I'm going to go to this gig. (laughs) He gets to the door and says to the doorman, there's like a cover of a Peter Frampton song. He goes, is that Peter fucking Frampton? And he's really annoyed until he basically sees Marie singing it and yeah, changes his mind. Exactly. And he finds Dick and Barry, who are hanging out, despite the fact they clearly seem to hate each other half the time. <laughs> and they all agree that now they like this song, they say, baby, I love your way. Yeah. Even though they hated it before. <laughs> the, one of them says, I want to date a musician. You don't. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> No, I all, say this as a musician; they're all demented.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. I say this as a musician. You don't.
0: Barry and Dick quibble over the title of a song, whether it's got a "vert" at the beginning or not. Fucking nerds. I just put Barry so pedantic. Oh yeah. But you, you know, if he'd have done that and Dick would have heard it, Dick would have done it as well. Yeah, that's they are. I mean, they're both pedantic. Yeah. Although Dick is a softer, more timid thing, especially when it comes to Barry, I feel like he would pick him up on things. Oh yeah. They. This is where they all suggest they want to date musicians. They stare at. Marie they talk to Marie after and they all say she should come to championship and Rob's like why would you tell people about this and Rob says so Barry says I didn't realise it was classified information <laughs> I know why he's embarrassed about his record store. it's a cool thing to do yeah Rob goes home and puts on Marie's CD and as he's listening to it he gets a phone call who's it from? his sister
1: Liz who's also his life sister Joan Cusack
0: uh, I don't know if they ever say it's his sister the, the character it, I, th- I think they do no, no. Uh, well she's at a funeral later I thought I thought they were no you, I think you've just got that in your head because it's Joan Cusack I know I she's to... a friend she says they're friends. she uh, says I'm your friend as well Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think, my, I think my mindset immediately is yeah, they're, they're clearly... Yeah, sister. so obviously Joan Kuzak is John Cusack's real-life sister, but yeah. I, they are friends. Okay. She says, I'm Laura's friend, but I'm also your friend. I, no, I see. I
1: thought it's was because, like, I'm not your sister, your sister. Yeah, I don't know why, I I'm a brother's sister.
0: So this is where she's... Because in real life they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is where Liz says, oh, you know, I want to be everyone's friend. Yeah, yeah. And then they hang on. Next morning, Laura comes over to get her stuff, but instead of going to work... Rob stays home for the morning, He's Yeah, the morning off. He asks Laura if she still loves him, and she says it doesn't matter, as they're just not getting along. Yeah. Laura says Rob is the same person as he used to be, and she isn't. She's grown up and has a job now. She used to be punk, man. Yeah. What happened? used to be cool. Fucking sellout. <laughs> Work for the man. I'm working at this. Laura's a sellout. She's a law- lawyer now. Where she used to be, We just, we hear later from Rob, she used to be... Like do pro bono stuff and work for poor people and and the environment. And and that's pretty much corporate. Yeah, and how she had pink hair. Rob's back at championship and there's a cool customer called Lewis, who is clearly a regular, and they he's one of the customers that they like. Yeah. He's cool. He is, you know, a well dressed, cool looking dude, and he's like, Oh Rob, it's your turn and he says he's feeling basic today. And what is his turn to do is pick what top fives they're doing yeah not to pick his top five for something he's like you come up with a top five idea now so we can do it. and the one he picks is top five side one track one so album openers Barry says the songs he picks are very pussy <laughs> he says very pussy some safe options and then a modern one to make it feel yeah <laughs> uh, a second customer tries to ask Barry a question about he's, su- he's like even more meek than Dick. Dick, yeah, and he asks Barry about a record, and it's super rare for whatever reason. Barry shows it to him, and he like pulls it out of the case and inspects the edge. Yeah. I'm miming this to you. I don't know why I'm miming <laughs> it to you. He inspects the edge of it and like basically fucking sniffs it. And well, the thing about this is he's the record that they say it is is the correct record. Yeah, but the one he wants is like a rare Eastern European copy, or something. and that's yeah. not what that is. That's just the regular one they use for the prop.
1: Yeah,
0: which is uh, I hope someone got fired for that blunder. <laughs> He asks how much it is, and Barry says, I'm not selling it this week, maybe next week. (laughs) And he's already done this to this guy. He did it last last week. week. (laughs) Lewis offers to buy it for $40, and Rob just goes, Yeah, all right. And then they ask him, like, why? It's like, because he's a music nerd. Rob Cook goes, Lewis calls them elitist snobs who who shit on people who know less than them. And that's everyone. And they all go, Yeah. Yeah. But because he's cool, he probably doesn't know as much as them, he's not as elite as they are, but he's just cool, so he's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rob calls Liz back from the shop. This is where, we, this is actually where we see it, it's Joan Cusack. We just hear the voice before, Yeah, though her voice I find quite recognisable, but I don't know about you. They talk about the breakup and how Rob's doing, and Liz lets slip. I don't think much of this Ian guy. <laughs> what but, fucking Ian guy as she's saying this Dick bursts into the office and says Marie de Sala's in the shop like it's an emergency and he actually brushes off the Ian thing just for a moment yeah and Rob, Rob, Rob runs out into the shop and they're playing her CD in the shop yeah he's like turn it off so he tells her to turn it off then runs back to the back and shouts
1: what fucking Ian guy
0: and then there's like a mix of emotion as Rob's like Rob doesn't know anyone called Ian her life is Ianless." <laughs> And Marie DeSalle obviously says, "Oh, leave my music on. You know, it's good." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's kind of what we see in that kind of interaction. And it's a bit of a mix of emotion as Rob gets home. He's like, she doesn't know anyone called Ian. Her life is Ianus. Then he sees some post in the building for I Raymond, who goes by Ray, and he used to live upstairs. Oof, Rob lists off the reason he's awful, and he sounds fucking awful. <laughs> So he listens to like bad music. Yeah, has like cooks bad smelling food. Has a ponytail, which is the the biggest. Yeah, thing. the biggest one. And he used to, uh, him and Laura used to listen to Ray having or Ian having sex. Yeah, what's it, really funny is during this scene, Laura's reading a book. So they're listening. Sorry, they're listening to him having sex and they're mocking it and stuff. And she's like, he's been going for ages, and Laura's like, I should be so lucky. <laughs> But then did you see what book she was reading? No. Was the book's it? called Love Thy Neighbour. <laughs> There's an extra little joke there. She's already loving him. And then, obviously, this leads to Rob dreaming about those two having sex. Yeah, he has a breakdown imagining that Laura's having like the best sex of all time with Ian. And this is where you first see Ian, and he looks like fucking Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. And I know we reference The Room a lot on this one, but he does look like Tommy <laughs> oh. and then this I think he's was- meant to look like... Steven Seagal. Oh, that's what I've got, yeah. But he looks more, I reckon he looks more like Tommy Wiseau. <laughs>
1: and then this is when Rob just admits that the person who was originally in top five, Julia, didn't Jackie, ca- Jackie didn't count because... He just put her in to bump Laura out
0: of the yeah, spot. But Laura has now officially made it into the top five. Number five with a bullet, he says. Yeah. Rob is back at Championship looking miserable. <laughs> and Barry and Dick are kind of working around him while he's just like leaning on the thing. Rob gets a call and says, oh yeah, I'm interested. Now that's from a deleted scene that was going to go somewhere, which is, Rob, uh, it's about uh, a woman who's selling her husband, selling his record collection. Ah, oh, okay. And it sounds like he's dead all, the way it plays out, but it turns out, no, they're actually just getting divorced and she's like trying to fuck <laughs> <laughs> Liz bursts into the shop, calls Rob a fucking arsehole and then just leaves again. <laughs> Rob is sat at the bar on his own at a bar reminiscing about when he was a DJ and he says it's the happiest he's ever been and it's where he met Laura she was already a lawyer but working legal aid and she used to like clubbing had pink hair she comes up to the booth and compliments the record that he, that Rob's spinning and he waits outside at the end of the night and Laura comes out and he says I'll make you a tape and I'll see you next week and that's how they met he says he hadn't met anyone promising as promising as Laura while DJing and that's what DJing is meant to be all about meeting promising women (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) God. Uh, Laura moved in soon and they had like a chill, pretty chill relationship and it was all going quite well. Rob reveals why Liz may have called her an arsehole. Do you have the, the four things that it could have been?
1: He slept with someone else while she was pregnant. Yep. She had an abortion. Directly because of that. Directly because of that. He took four grand from her. And, had, and never paid her back. And he told her that he was
0: looking for someone else. Yes. He admits he is an arsehole. This is yes. where he goes, I am a fucking arsehole. <laughs> Rob says Laura... So he breaks down all these points now. He says Laura wanted to give him the money. He he needed it, presumably for something to do with the shop, I'd guess. Yeah. Uh, she had it and he didn't. He was going to pay it back. And then she broke up with him. Yeah. Uh, and he, he doesn't magically... He says, I don't... Uh, just because she hooks up with a super Supertramp fan doesn't mean I magically have five grand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Laura apparently tricked him into saying he was unhappy and said it was a sneaky lawyer trick. I think
1: one it what, because it was like they were having a general discussion about their relationship and everything. And then, oh, sorry, go on. And, because and, these are like conversations that you do have like towards yeah. the tail of like a relationship where it's like, oh yeah, we're both unhappy. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, and, you know, would we want to see other people? And it's like, if you answer that incorrectly, what I love fucked. about this.
0: this seems beautiful because he's walking around. It's Chicago. Yeah. He's walking around and he's moving through Chicago and getting on a metro. Yeah. All while delivering this dialogue. It's a really lovely looking. dialogue. Oh, it's well done. Yeah. And he says, I fell for this lawyer trick because she's much smarter than I. <laughs> Which at least he could admit that. So Rob didn't know she was pregnant and found out much later. Yeah. But she found out he was cheating. Yeah. Or well, he cheated. Sorry, once. There was a singular from what he says. I uh, got rid of the baby but didn't tell him yeah she only revealed it when they were having a good period and Rob made a joke about having kids and then he went on some ill-advised rant about the kid also being his and he should have had to say no dumb decision, nope, Rob. don't follow that question <laughs> yep yep Rob. then what's really funny here is he then straight away follows why he's doomed I like, asked why am I doomed to be rejected yeah he needs answers like well you've just explained yeah, just how explains, much of an asshole yeah. you can be this is where he decides he's going to relive and re-meet all these former romances. And he starts with number one. Gets out the phone book and looks up, Alison Ashmore. Yeah. He calls the number and her mum picks up. He says he was her first boyfriend. The mum argues, says Alison married her for her first boyfriend, Kevin Bannister. And now he lives in Australia. Robbie's happy about this. I still yeah. don't understand the logic leap here. But she married her first boyfriend. First full proper yeah. boyfriend. I don't understand the leaping logic as to why that makes him happy. I but... think
1: it, in his mind, it means then I wasn't the problem. I just wasn't the right person for her. Yeah. And
0: it was also, you know, you married a teenage sweetheart. Yeah. And so when that... you're a teenager, you're all hormonal. Yeah. So I think to him, it means it's like, oh, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It just means, yeah, we weren't the right person. This is where Rob says, this made me feel great. I'm going to see the rest of the top five list. <laughs> and it's when we get a Bruce Spring- Springsteen cameo. So, yeah, he's laying in bed and he has an imaginary conversation with the boss. In the book it was Bob Dylan that's good yeah but Springsteen American you know. yeah 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 great and they could get Springsteen <laughs> Springsteen suggests talking to each of them and asking forgiveness so that he can feel better Rob says maybe they'll feel better and he's like yeah it doesn't matter <laughs> you'll feel better <laughs> Rob meets up with Penny, who is now a movie reviewer, which is really cool. Yes. They hang out and have a nice time, and then they go to a movie, and Rob's like really annoyed about the little light she uses to make notes. (laughs) And they hang out, and they have this dinner, and Rob just launches into his problems. Penny points out that Rob broke up with her. Yes. And that she was so broken by this, that when another guy came along, it wasn't quite rape because she said yes, but it wasn't far off, and that he's a brick. (laughs) Yeah. And... And he just takes the wrong message from this. Well, he, she even says, like, I was, I didn't have sex again until after college. This broke me. Yeah. And he doesn't care. He leaves and is like, I broke up with her. <laughs> like, all this horrible stuff she just says. Oh, yeah, I broke up with her. Yeah. So it's not me. And I said, here, oh, fuck Laura. Just go hang out with Penny. She seems cool. Yeah. Try to mend that because she's she's cool. Exactly. Rob skips over Charlie because he doesn't think he can handle it. <laughs> and uh, goes on to Sarah. Yeah. Sarah
1: is just not doing well. So he just flat out doesn't want to do the rejection conversation with her.
0: Yeah, he says there's no hard feelings. And in fact, that she, he's glad that she dumped him because it was something else she could be miserable over. She'd, he had broken up with her. Yeah. It was going to come anyway. Rob leaves Sarah's apartment and Sarah looks miserable still. She's had like another bad relationship. And he says, I could have wound up having sex there. But I don't want to get involved in this whole single-person-guilty culture again. <laughs> Rob's surprised that he finds Charlie in the phone book. Well, he was more angry, because he's, like, "Screw that! Like, She's in the phone book, of course. He calls her, and he's a nice, polite answer message. But he ends up after the guy going, she won't call back. Yeah. Back at Championship, Barry is berating a customer for not liking Jesus and Mary Jane, because <laughs> he loves Echo and the Bunnymen, and you're saying there's not enough Echo albums, but Jesus and Mary Jane picked up right where they left off, and the shop's super busy. Must be a Saturday. It must right? be, yeah. Dick is talking about Green Day with a customer who I'm pretty sure I recognise, but I think she's in something like Big Bang Theory, which I've only watched a handful of times. Most likely. And he's saying how they had two main influences, and she says the Clash, and he says yes, the Clash, and the second one is Stiff Little Fingers, who she doesn't know. So she's like, she likes her music, but not like he does. Yeah. Well, you know, they're they're bonding. They're bonding. Sure. And learn. he puts on uh, a Stiff Little Fingers record, and a customer's like. What is this, Green Day? Yeah. Uh, Anne is super into it, and they're kind of nerd flirting. <laughs> Barry, <laughs> we, by this, he's only been like two minutes, and we go back to Barry, and he stacked this guy up with like 20 records. Don't tell anyone you don't own Blonde on Blonde, which is obviously a Bob Dylan record, yeah. which is probably a reference to Dylan not being in the film, I guess. And he's like, don't worry, we're going to get you through. <laughs> that poor guy probably spent like hundreds. Yeah. Rob says, watch this, I'm going to sell three... Uh, five copies of the three EPs by the Beta Band, and he puts it on, and within like, thirty seconds, one of the customers goes, "This is good." He's like, "I know, I know," <laughs> and that really reminded me of me and my friend Matt, Matt Matt Salmon. He is a semi-successful YouTuber now. Oh, congrats on the hundred thousand subscribers, Matthew! <laughs> Send them our way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, check him out. He's called Wise Fish on YouTube. Okay. But we used to work in the record shop together and especially Wednesday mornings. There was something about a Wednesday morning where the old boys would come in and we would put on like blues and jazz records that we liked and though he a five shuffler, you know, we'd put on a couple each and we'd be like, ah, oh, yes, the guy wants to know what record I put on. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? It's one of my ones. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a friendly competition to who would put on something that someone would want to buy. I've heard and that's goes. kind of what Rob does here. Rob spots two skater kids and they're uh, stealing yep we chase them out, and Rob uh, one of them drops the, their skateboard and Rob grabs it, and he's trying to trades it back for the stolen records. He's like, what's, "What's worth more to you? They're stealing a bunch of random shit and Rob's like, "You're stealing this for someone else."
1: <laughs> he like, starts no. salting their taste.
0: Yeah, he's like, don't, don't assume you know what we like. like it's like um zizzzzd Sputnik and stuff like that. And they also throw he's like, "You've got something else. Give me it." And they've got a home recording magazine. Yeah, and they throw it all back, and he gives them back their skateboard, and it kind of cuts away. Late night and Rob is locking up championship. And who appears? Laura. Yeah. What does she want? She wants to give him a ride back to his house just so she can pick up more things. Yeah. They get back and Laura sees that Rob has finished the great reorganisation. Rob hands Laura's email and she doesn't reject it. And he's like, yeah, I know. She admits she's living with Ian. And Laura says, this is hard. And he's like, yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> Laura says she doesn't live with him. She's just staying with him until she gets her shit together. Yeah. And what does Rob want to know? If they slept together. And for some reason, she tells him that they haven't. And she's not lying, but I just yeah. don't know why well, she, she said, would tell him.
1: She said, we're sleeping together. But we, we haven't, haven't had slept. sex. Yeah, but we're not sleeping together. <laughs>
0: yeah. Rob asks if there's a chance that him and Laura can get back together. 9%. She says she don't know. And because she says she doesn't know. She's like, so there is a chance. Because you, if you would say no, there's no chance. Yeah. And yeah, as she said, she gives it a 9% chance of getting back together, which I think is very specific and funny. The specificity specificity of it makes it funny. Yeah. Laura asks Rob to go out while she sorts out her stuff. It's like, seriously? It's like, yeah. And this is where Rob's like, double checks. You definitely have slept together? <laughs> <laughs> Laura says she hasn't felt like it. They are sharing the bed, but it hasn't happened yet. Rob dances his way out of the flat to... Queen. We are the champions. champions. Yes. And then he sleeps with Marie de Yeah. He goes, I go straight down and I sleep with Marie de Sal. That hypocrite. <laughs> Rob says, I bet you're questioning how this happened. How could someone like me, who hangs out with the musical <laughs> twins, hook up with someone like Marie de Salle? So they go to a bar. Presumably Marie's played a gig there. They don't really specify that. Yeah. And Marie's talking to Dick and Barry, and Rob joins them. Rob posits that what matters in a relationship, and when you meet someone, isn't what you are like; it's what you like. Yeah. So books, Books, films, records, these things matter. Yeah, and I think there's an element of truth to that. You can't have nothing in common in terms of taste.
1: Yeah. No. You need there needs to be that some things
0: all the same. Yeah. I think I feel like the ideal was like a fifty percent crossover. So you've got the stuff you like together, and then you've got fifty percent of your own stuff. Yeah, each. exactly. Because I think it's also important to have your own stuff each. Oh yeah, no, it'll, it's more worrying if you both
1: like the exact same thing.
0: Yeah, uh, that's. I thought that like, that puts pressure on you to just do everything together. Yeah, which is bad. Oh, absolutely. Rob and Marie click, and they <laughs> talk about their exes. Rob bullshits and he even admits this to the audience through the voiceover. Yeah. He bullshits being nice about Laura, and he invents this kind of sorrowful persona. And that's what helps him take the ice with Marie. They sleep together, they have a conversation the next morning, talk about their exes again. Marie says it's okay to feel fucked up and horny at the same time. She is very open-minded about the idea of, being, of sex being a basic human right, which I find really fun. <laughs> They go down the street and head off in opposite directions, which is almost like the these uh but on the nose analogy of what they've done. Yeah, Then go opposite directions. Yeah, we done. We don't see each other ever again. Yeah, because she doesn't come back, does she? No, that's it. That is her gone. Great character. <laughs> Immediately, Rob starts to overthink Laura not sleeping with Ian. Yeah, well, He's do- just had sex with someone he really fancied, someone who everyone's crushing on, and he literally she steps away, and he goes, "Why haven't they fucking had sex yet?" And the thing is, he keeps focusing on the yet that was yes, in her sentence. Yeah. Rob uses the idea, yeah. Right. So what did say? This is your, this is your scene, Tim. So the what, thing is, when this happened, I was like, I had to just not make Bobby watch that film yet. I think I, I think I brought it up in the recording. Whether it made the edit or not, I don't know. I'm sure I mentioned it. I no, you did. not Either way, yeah. it was on my notes. Maybe we skipped over it by accident. Go on. What what analogy does Rob use to help? To try to get Barry to help him figure
1: this out. He he says to to Barry, if I say to you, I haven't seen Evil Dead 2 yet, what would your response be? And Barry says, you're a cinematic idiot and I feel sorry for you. (laughs) And that is correct. And I said, what does my top note say? Yes, it says Tim's (laughs) favourite line. But here's
0: my question. Now that you've seen Evil Dead 2, do you agree with that? I think it would depend on who I was talking to. I would say if I was to talk to one of my more alternative mates who are into their kind of horror and, and they hadn't seen it, I'd be like, "Well, you're dumb. This is for you." Yeah. Like, whereas there are certain people I'm like, where, Barry doesn't think like that though, does yeah. he? Barry thinks he's right about everything. Exactly. Whereas I'm aware of myself and know that not everything is for everyone and people. Some people don't like horror. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Because when people ask, "Oh, what's your favourite
1: film?" and I say "Evil Dead 2. Don't, like some people just go. What? you should show
0: people this scene <laughs> yeah
1: but like there's like a weird confused face like what is that i've never heard of it, i have to explain it's like it's
0: a like comedy horror from the 80s what i love about this is barry doesn't still quite understand he's like you did see it though you came <laughs> yeah, with me yeah. you've seen it twice and he's like i don't know he's like just just hypothetically he's like oh i don't know shut up and then he pulls it because i suppose yeah you kind not want to see it that much otherwise you would have seen it already and then he literally there's a beat and he goes on the other hand, and he just makes Rob feel shit again for so, a second. Claire, Rob on feels the other better. hand, yeah, it does imply that you do eventually want to see it. <laughs> Rob calls Laura again and makes her meet him for a drink, <laughs> and says she she denies. And this is one of the points that he makes. That I actually think is fair, where he goes, you know, we had a, a long-term relationship, we lived together, everything about this ending, and every time we get to discuss things, can't all be on your terms. Yeah. I think that's the first fair point he's made. No, that's
1: absolutely fair.
0: <laughs> give me something back. Yeah, exactly. Because like but, she's kicking him out of his own apartment. To get her stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's all been on her terms. Which, in a breakup, it is on the breakup hers terms. But humans should have some give and take with it. Exactly. Things. You try to be, unless that other person has done something, I mean, he did cheat, but that's not why they broke up. She got over that, apparently. <laughs> But, you know, unless someone's done something horrific, you probably should be some give and take. No, absolutely. Laura asks how Rob is. And his immediate thing is, have you slept with him yet? (laughs) Yeah. Again, he's
1: such a hypocrite.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Laura says she has now slept with him. And Rob storms out. Yeah. He starts to walk around in the pouring rain in Chicago. Must be fucking freezing. Laura calls when he gets home. And the conversation keeps going, but Rob's kind of a bit like off and on about it. Yeah. Rob hates this conversation. He doesn't want it. Laura offers to meet up for another drink and explain everything. Uh, she's worried that this could be the last conversation they ever have. And Rob just hangs up. While Laura sat there sad, Ian comes in and says he needs a second opinion on his sauce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's cooking for whatever it is. Uh, so what does Rob, what's Rob's reaction to this? doesn't he track down his name in the phone book no he calls the operator oh uh, yeah same same idea though he gets Ian's phone number then asks for the address attached to said yeah. phone number and then he just calls him from a phone with outside in the ring yeah they're eating dinner and they look pissed and the phone rings and Ian hangs it straight up straight away he does look like a douchebag doesn't he he does yeah. yeah I think they've purposely gone okay yeah Rob's an arsehole but this guy is also a douchebag <laughs> <laughs> Ian hangs up the phone and then as he goes to when it rings again he goes to hang up again but Laura snatches it just in time goes to the living room and she can see Rob outside she says Rob says Laura is running from the relationship and that she'll do it again from this guy this guy with the Steven Seagal ponytail Laura slams down a picture of Ian in a gi which is really funny yeah like a, a martial arts gi Robby saying he loves her and he understands her but Ian doesn't all this kind of typical take like, me back stuff yeah Laura says Rob should call her at work Not here, and she's upset. So they hang up, and Ian says, "I think I should talk to him. My job is conflict resolution." I'm like, "Fuck off, fuck off, Ian." (laughs) I'm just so mellow. Uh, Liz and Rob go for dinner. Liz explains that calling her so Liz is obviously kind of cooled down a bit. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Calling her, all that's doing is making them team up against you. Yeah, it's kind of there was three people in a fucked up uh, situation, and now there's two people against one, which is fair. Yeah, intelligent. Liz asks why Rob wants Laura back so badly, and he's kind of left hanging. He doesn't really give a satisfactory answer. We kind of jump to vinyl, and Rob gets a phone call. Who's it from? Charlie. Fucking Charlie. <laughs> Who answers in fucking French? I fucking hate. Her. <laughs> She's that kind of person that like a teenager or someone in their early twenties would find cool. They're very introspective and kind of talk about and just disc- not discuss. But just throw their shit opinions out about everything. Yeah. But say it with such confidence and such swagger that a young person's going to be like, ooh, you're cool. Yeah, she'd have a podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Voicing her opinions about things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> she talks like an utter arsehole. Yeah. but then she, she talks in like... It sounds like she's talking in quotes. Yeah. And I don't know what they're supposed to be like, but they sound like she talks in quotes. And Rob laps it up at first. Calls her incredible.
1: <laughs> and then she basically says... Are we friends? Because Marco did this same thing a couple of months ago. Yeah, Rob denies that he's going through a midlife crisis. So she invites him to a dinner party that night.
0: Yes. But as this is going on, Ian comes into the record store. Yes, he does. And he wants to sort things out. Rob says he stopped all the standing outside in the rain and calling. And (laughs) Ian says, You were there this morning. (laughs) Ian says he would leave laura alone if she chose to leave him and rob should do the same and this is this is one of the best scenes oh it's amazing rob calls ian a pathetic rebound fuck and throws him out the store and then while while
1: we're like barring the government to hold him back yep and then the second one it's
0: um rob just beaten up so he jumps back yeah and it's not happened yeah the thing hasn't happened rob then goes for ian and they hold him back like you said and yeah. then it cuts the back again. the third and... one is my favourite. <laughs> all it's just jumping. What the best bit about it is, so obviously he's called him a rebound fuck. The guys have stopped him like jumping Ian. And we reset again. And this and... third time, Dick picks up the phone yeah. and smashes Ian in the face with it and knocks his teeth out. And then they all start beating on him. <laughs> and Dick <laughs> smashes in his head with an AC unit. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like amazing. And then that's not really either. And Ian leaves with all his teeth. Yeah. Rob doesn't say a single word. Unfortunately, Rob knocks on Charlie's door, and she is immediately insufferable. She just basically hasn't changed. Yeah, her body language is even insufferable. She's all like arms, yeah. slow movement. And this is when he realised that
1: halfway through the dinner party, he just doesn't like Charlie. Yeah.
0: The dinner is like full of intellectuals, and Rob finds it hard and like. Like no,
1: no, intellectuals in quotations. That's yeah, be real. yeah,
0: yes. And he's like, why isn't my life like this with dinner parties? And then he realises why. It's because they're cunts. Yes. It dawns on Rob that Charlie is terrible. And then he he actually breaks down why she's terrible. She doesn't listen to anyone. She says terrible, stupid things. And she has no sense of humour at all. She just and talks, talks shit and all talks night talks long. Talks. Maybe she's been like this all along. It's like, Yes. Yes, she has. Rob wonders how he edited all that shit out of his brain. Because she was hot. <laughs> yeah. Rob asks... Why Charlie dumped me. And him. literally her reaction is, fuck <laughs> you! <laughs> <laughs> knew it, knew it, knew it. They say, why did she dump me for Marco? Like, even asked specifically why Marco. Rob doesn't back... Like, that's the kind of thing where where she has that reaction and she's big and bullshit. Yeah. Like, fuck you. And he's like, no, just tell me. Yeah. There's other people would be like, oh, uh, oh I don't know, uh, yeah, no, don't worry about it. No, he's just like, no, fuck you, tell me. Yeah, you know, fuck you, tell me. And he was more glamorous, apparently. Oh... Uh more glamorous more sure of himself less hard work sunnier fuck off i hate you you're so annoying at the shop we have barry leaning on the thing and a metalhead looking dude comes and asks barry if he put the sign on the door and we look at the sign and it's an ad for hip young gunslingers (laughs) and it's actually just like a thing about trying to start a band yeah the metalhead invites barry to a jam session, which I was really funny. It's like, what do you play? He's like, nothing. Oh, I sing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rob and Dick watch on, like interested, and Rob comes out like, so he's like, oh, it's just a jam session. Like, you've had that poster up for ages, and no one's ever asked. And Dick says, oh, I'm not going to come out with the guys. I've got a date. He's got a date with Anna. Hey. And we see him across the road, actually, as they leave. Yeah. And then it kind of gets blinded out by a bus, nice little cut. And then Barry's like, oh, I'm not coming out either. I'm going to go home and write some lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> and Rob is left alone on his own for the first time in Championship. He hasn't got the, as he called them, musical moron twins to fall back on. <laughs> He's to sit alone with his thoughts. Yeah. Rob goes home and sees a packed bag at the door and... Laura is there that's like our most like, frequent place to go like, I know she's
1: picking up stuff but it's like she's intentionally just do it in one hit for exactly. fuck's sake let's get a moving um, Van
0: and do it in one hit and she's found a, a written top five list yeah his top five dream jobs yes and did you write them down I did not number one a journalist for Rolling Stone in the 70s <laughs> producer at Atlantic in the 60s any kind of musician besides classical or rap you'd be lucky to be a rapper a film director and an architect and then Laura points out do you actually want to be an architect and what would you actually do if you know time travel wasn't an option basically <laughs> and would like number five not be own a record store yeah. she's like yes and then she she writes it and then crosses it free for me there you go there's one off your list <laughs> and that's actually one of the first like sweet moments we see between them yeah. that isn't a flashback Laura says that's the last of her stuff and leaves and what does the first thing Rob do is he crumples up the list and throws it away I was going to say it's a funny bit where she's like I hate, I hate Ian he's like I hate him too and they said, so what is it he goes what is his name is it Ray or Ian she goes Ray I hate Ian yeah goes, yeah I hate him too <laughs> so <laughs> that's so a really good, good line It's a good joke and we get another one of those great kind of moving through Chicago shots and it's another Rob listing stuff off and it's the top five things he misses about Laura yeah which is really sweet did you write this down
1: I didn't because it was such a long monologue that actually enthralled me. I was like, I can't write anything So it's right a now. sense of
0: humour. She has character. and Or at least she did until this whole Ian nightmare. The way she smells and the way she tastes which is like, okay, fair enough. Like, <laughs> he likes how she walks around and isn't bothered by what people think. And the way she tries to get to sleep which involves some like convoluted way of like, rubbing her ankles or something. Like <laughs> that. I, I didn't write the whole thing down. But just the way she gets to sleep. Rob says he could do a top five things that are bad about her, but they're just the garden variety bad shit people say about women. Well, Rob, I mean, he's
1: been saying a lot of bad things about women. I know, he's covered
0: most of it, I think. <laughs> Rob is walking to work, and one of the skaters flies into him, yeah. off of a ramp, which is really funny. When Rob gets into the store, Dick tells him he missed a call from Laura. And Dick and Barry are sat there, kind of looking a bit perturbed. They're listening to some new music, and Rob asks what it is, and who is it? It's a skater kid's. It is the two skater kids who had been stealing from them earlier. <laughs> what, what are they called? Vince and something? I can't remember. I think I've got it written down in a minute. The song, it's actually a real song they use. It isn't theirs. It's called The Inside Game by a band called Royal Trucks. Oh, wow. Rob goes outside with their tape and Rob tells them it's good. And they're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> and he offers to put out the record and split the profits after Rob's recouped expenses. <laughs> and he, I think he's Vince goes, yeah, recoup a big fat Mercedes, is what you're going to recoup. <laughs> Barry sees that the whole conversation and he's fucked off, because obviously he thinks of himself as a musician. And uh, he gets jealous. And they tell him the name of their band is... The Kinky Wizards. It's I did not write that down? And Rob's new record label that he's starting is Top 5 Records. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. But Barry's annoyed that Rob wouldn't do it with him. <laughs> It's like, you're not even in the band. <laughs> we haven't I haven't heard anything. Yeah. We need to hear it. I've heard this. It's good. Rob calls Laura back, and she's crying. Her dad's passed away. Oh, drag. Uh, yeah, Barry's <laughs> response is so funny. Comes lead to the, Rob comes back into the main shop. What's up? Uh, Laura's dad died, and he says... No, oh, drag. drag. <laughs> <laughs> and then they put together another top five list. Songs about death. <laughs> top five songs about death. A Laura's dad tribute list. Phone goes, and Laura... Uh, it's Laura again and she still wants to speak to Rob. It's, it's interesting at this point that her person she calls for comfort is still it's, Rob. Yeah. It shows that their kind of their relationship was deeper than they're either of them were kind of letting on. Yeah. <laughs> and while they're having a conversation, Barry and Dick are still discussing their, <laughs> the their top five minutes. Dick vetoes something on Barry's list, and Barry actually agrees with him. Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> oh no, they're actually becoming friends. <laughs> well he's just he's willing to accept opinion. Laura's mum wants Rob to come to the funeral as the dad liked Rob and yeah. because he was sick. They never told him about the breakup. They hang up without saying goodbye, which is one of my fucking pet peeves in movies. Why can't you just go, bye? Like, I know it's an extra three seconds of, like, <laughs> just fucking do it. I hate it. <laughs> they come back in the shop. Barry's freestyling a song about Laura's dad dying. Yeah,
1: so, of course, Rob beats him up.
0: Yeah, Rob jumps him again. <laughs> Rob lists off the songs he wants at his funeral. The only one I remember off the top of my head is Many Rivers to Cross by Jimmy Cliff, which is a banger of a song, to be fair. Rob is sat at the back of the funeral while Laura cries with her mum at the front. Yeah. And everyone at the wake ignores Rob, which is really funny. I know. Liz, passively, aggressively, talks about Rob in front of him without saying his name. I know. He's like, I'm right um, here. <laughs> Liz, 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 and this might be another reason he thought the characters were siblings. They argue like siblings Yeah, as well. they're like so proper bickering. Funny. Rob steps and says, "You know what? I'm actually going to stick up for myself. Fuck you." <laughs> and Rob tells Laura, he's sorry," and leaves. You know, I th- I feel like it's a very pregnant. I'm sorry, because he looks at the way he looks at result. Well. He's I'm sorry about this, but I'm also sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, Like everything. Rob leaves in the rain, and whether it's that sorry or whether it's the whole she realizes Rob is the person she goes to for comfort, she follows him in the rain. Uh, he's in the rain but she drives like yeah, a yeah. person Rob can now see he never he, he posits he never really committed to Laura and that I was stupid Laura pulls up and <laughs> he <laughs> just dives behind <laughs> the fence. he sees her first what does he do just
1: dives behind the fence it's like the little like flower bush
0: so much mud as well because it's I so know. heavily raining She's says oh look you're soaking you're an idiot get in the car Laura, Laura says she doesn't want to be at the funeral and she used Rob leaving as like the excuse to get out. Yeah, so
1: they can't go back.
0: Yeah. He must be so that the rain was so heavy, he must be so drenched. Yeah. They pull up to like a quiet park area, and Laura asks Rob to have sex with her. And did you list off the other thing she would do instead? What was it? Uh, so she says, I just want to feel something that isn't this sadness. You can either put cigarettes out on me and he oh, says, yeah. uh I'm This out. is my last one and yeah, I'm saving. Yeah. <laughs> she said, Well we better have sex then. <laughs> What's funny about it is their their dialogue seems very natural, even when they're talking to something weird stuff.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say it was like almost like weird inside jokes. Yeah,
0: Laura's they drive back to the house, and Laura's mum actually looks happy through the door that they're talking. Yeah, well, sure, maybe she likes Rob. Clearly, they just never mention that the parents don't like him. But the dad did like him, and Laura says something laced heavy with kind of underhanded compliment here. <laughs> Which is that she's too tired not to be with Rob. <laughs> he questions this, He's like, if you had more energy, you know, you wouldn't be with me. But because you have no energy, we can get back together. She's like, Yeah <laughs> And she says talking about Ian being a disaster, which isn't really I mean, followed up on it. Yeah.
1: I? I mean he looked like one, so Yeah. But yeah, they're back together. And there's a
0: nice little montage of her moving back in. What's nice about this is it it shows we don't hear Laura's full side, but we do see that kind of She's reacting to trauma in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like her dad's been ill. She is pushing on to a point in her life where Rob isn't there yet. But, you know, he, in this interim, has found a way to at least mentally grow. Which I think, you know, kind of brings them closer to a level than they were before. Uh, Laura just wants to go home with Rob and she actually says, I want to go home. Rob, so you said, like you said, there's a lovely montage of them kind of moving back in. And Rob says how great it is that everything's, you know, going really well. They start enjoying, you know, hanging out with each other. There's this tense line about like Marvin Gaye and Art Garfunkel, the way they're walking through like a market. Oh yeah. Rob says their song is "Let's Get It On" by Marvin Gaye. Then they go on about I think it's Marvin Gaye was shot by his own dad or something. I don't know. So there's a bit of a divert conversation they have, and then when he's kind of elaborating, he said it's all really good, but there's something stuck in my head that isn't quite sitting yet. And as he says this, a woman comes into championship. She says she recognizes Robbers from when he used to DJ. Her name's Caroline, and she writes a music column. And Rob reads her music column, and you're like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Laura calls at this moment, and he looks disappointed that like, he's going to have to carry on for this conversation to go yeah. talk to Laura. Uh, Rob, don't fall down that hole again. <laughs> Rob finds a poster in the shop advertising a gig. With the kinky wizard and his return to DJing. Yeah. And he asked Dick and Barry, like, who done this? And it turns out it was Laura's idea. And actually the poster's top thing is dance music for old people. <laughs> Rob goes home and Laura's there and she says she's annoyed by this and was annoyed that she was with Ian when she thought of it, which I thought was really funny. Laura brushes off all his kind of reticent ideas and say they're all trivial, it's fine. And then she drops the big bombshell on him. What's the big bombshell to him? Barry's band are going to be playing as well. Sonic Death Monkey. (laughs) Rob tries to convince Barry not to play and even offers him money. He said 100% off the gate. That's how much (laughs) it means for me to not hear you play. (laughs) Rob then tries to convince the Kinky Wizards not to come because he thinks it'll be a disaster. Rob talks it out with Laura. He says it's not a big deal, but she says it is because all your life you've been a critic. And now you're going to put something out into the world. You, the professional appreciator, yeah. is going to be creating something. And he's like, oh shit, okay, yeah. Rob has a phone interview with Caroline where he uses Laura's verbiage that she's just used about yeah. him being a professional appreciator, which feels like it's going to be another dick move. They're a little flirty. Not overtly, I would say, but they're yeah. a flirty. She asks the most basic question, which makes him realise that, oh what I've got with Laura's deep and she's clever and understanding and what is the basic ass question she asks? Top five records ever. Yeah. She's like, but for what? I need some clarification in the club, at home, at the bar, when I'm reading, you know. And she's like, oh, just top five ever. He's like, Ugh, you don't get it. <laughs> he says, uh, he's going to make her a mixtape and this is where he tells us about the art of making a mixtape. Which we people don't do anymore because they just do Spotify playlists. Yeah. You're using someone else's poetry to say how you feel. Rob gets upset when he realises what he's doing. He's like, when's this all going to stop? Yeah. Like, what am I doing to myself? Laura comes home and asks who the mixtape for, and he's honest. He actually says it's the girl who interviewed him. It's to do with music. And she kind of looks at him funny, but brushes it off. Yeah. Rob is now out and about, and he questions if this is him just jumping from girl to girl whenever he gets a gut feeling. Yeah. And this is in my top 10 movie quotes of all time. This line is great. I don't know if you noted it down. What was it? I've been thinking in my gut since I was 14 years old and frankly speaking, I've come to the conclusion that my guts have shit for brains. Yeah. Fucking top quote. That's in the book as well, that quote. Absolutely It's top. really good, yeah. Great bit of writing. And not only is it like you should actually think stuff out, also, it's clever because, you know, Shit comes from your gut. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little joke in there too. Uh, Laura and Rob meet in a shit cafe for lunch and Rob wants to talk about something and Laura has to kind of drag it out of him. Rob asks in like a really lame way if Laura wants to marry him and she laughs and points out that he was just making a mixtape for someone else. This just yeah, which is a fair point. And she's like, don't, you know, forgive me if I don't think of you as a safe bet. And Rob says he wants to do it because he's sick of thinking about love and romance and marriage which she's originally like, what and yeah. he goes right he's only just come to the realization that all the fantasies aren't real yeah so all these ideas of being with other women they're just fantasies and there's no real problems in the fantasy you know they's just like you know the sexy underwear and stuff but all these women like laura have like real underwear that they use the old underwear that's comfortable but you don't know about that and you don't think about that because like, that's not the fantasy yeah but actually that is the reality of everyone and he wants that reality yeah, laura. yeah he now wants that reality he says oh, look, i'm tired of the fantasy and i just want to be with you and i never get tired of you and this makes laura happy she understands what he's the the, the roundabout kind of obscure yeah. point he's trying to get to
1: what was face when he was saying all that i was like that is exactly how I would explain it, because yeah. it's so roundabout. Because especially when you're speaking from like emotion and everything, and you're not preparing in your mind, yeah.
0: it takes you a while to finally get to your point. And he, uh, Laura, sorry, Laura says she doesn't say yes, but she's happy. that yeah. he asked, and in the, okay, we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, okay, I get. Uh, you know, maybe this makes me more sure about you as a as a, a partner. At the launch party, and Rob is DJing, and the song that's playing is the. The Kinky Wizards song. Rob says about the CD and introduces the Kinky Wizards. The kids are there. And then, and then immediately starts stealing stuff. Oh, yeah, they're like reaching behind the bar and they're, you know, they're fucking little fuckers. Rob nervously introduces Sonic Death Monkey. Oldie. Rob says to <laughs> Laura, there's going to be a riot and they'll burn this place down. He, well, so he says, I should have played the whole album first so they would have heard the entire yeah. thing. Barry comes out, and what is it he uh,
1: he reveals? That they're no longer called Sonic Death Monkey. They are Barry, Jive, and the Uptown Five.
0: Yeah, and then they play a fucking belting rendition of Let's Get It On. Yeah, and me, well, it's Jack Black on vocals. Oh, man. And he's actually him, yeah, you know it's him. It's his voice, and he does a really great job of it. And Rob immediately changes his body language. He's, like, lent on behind the desk, like, yeah. like, like hiding his face. He immediately stands up and goes, ooh. He's like, what the fuck? Rob and Laura all of a sudden have this moment where they look like a real natural couple. Yeah, They're closer and they're... like He stood behind her, cuddling her from behind while they're watching the band. Dick and Anna are having a little dance. Yeah. One of the kinky wizards, I'd, and I only clocked this, not in this viewing, but only in a more recent viewing that I should admit, does a Stevie Wonder impression. Oh, I did not notice that. He does. He puts the headphones on but then puts the band over his eyes and then starts doing the way stevie would do the head movements. Oh, i did not know (laughs) which i think is because originally they were going to put a stevie wonder song there and they pulled it i think that's what it was if i remember rightly i might be wrong if i'm wrong i'll edit this (laughs) then rob we go back to rob describing the perfect mixtape you've got to kick it off with something killer to grab attention and then you want to take it up a notch but you don't wanna blow your what. <laughs> so when so then you've gotta cook it off cook it off a notch. There are rules to this. Rob says he's actually started to make a new mixtape in his head for Laura. Stuff that would make Laura happy, stuff that she would like. And it's the first time he can really see how that's done. And that's the last line of the movie. It's
1: really good. Yeah. So before I give you my opinion, overall opinion, Mm -hmm. I'd like to share a review I found on Letterboxd. Oh, please do. So if you guys aren't aware, Letterboxd is a social media site for films. You know, you log down the films you've
0: watched, you can make lists and everything. I use it all the time. You can show everyone what you've seen, like a little hipster bitch.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Who would do such a thing? (laughs) So when I went to log this movie, I found an amazing review. And it's simply this. Guy who throws tantrums and gates keeps music wonders why women don't want to sleep with him for two hours. 100%
0: correct. That is the movie. And But what, what rating did they give it? They gave it four stars actually. See? It is that but it's so well done. That's and I agree with it 100% it is a really well done movie. It's really like it feels semi-realistic in a lot of ways, and especially coming from someone who has worked in a music shop. The way you approach these com- weird conversations you have about it, someone who's been in relationships, you approach those conversations in yeah. a way, I and a lot of the dialogue is borrowed straight from Nick Hornby, who is a fantastic writer.
1: I would also say as well, just for a movie that basically has nothing happening in it, like, it's not like big scale things, it's just about a guy <laughs> refle- doing self-reflection. Yeah. But it's just so well done
0: and it keeps you really engaged. I think some of that is uh, the writing. Some of it's Hornby's dialogue. Yes. Yeah. The, the lifted directly from the book. Some of it is Cusack's performance. Cusack's performance, Directly Jack, down the barrel of the lens. Jack Black's performance. Yeah. Literally everyone does an amazing performance. It's such a good movie. I love this movie. Yeah. And it's, um, Nick Hornby is actually one of my favourite writers. What has he written? So he's written several stuff that's been turned into films. Oh, okay. He wrote a Battle Boy. Ah, uh, yeah. Later turned into, is it, uh, what's the kid's name? Nick, uh, Nicholas Holt. Yeah. So he was the boy in that, and then he went on to do Skins, and, or uh, interview. well, no, not Interview with the Vampire, what's that other vampire one he did? Oh, what, Renfield's the most recent yes. one, yeah. Yeah, he's in that, and Hugh Grant, is Hugh Grant. Yeah, Hugh Grant. Yeah. yeah, great movie, and there was one he wrote called Long Way Down, which was turned into a movie with Aaron Paul. Yes,
1: I remember
0: uh, Still set in London, he was the only American in it, but... <laughs> And the character is American in the book. Oh, it could make sense then. <laughs> yeah, he's written a lot of stuff. He's a very good writer. Nice, nice. And if I was going to do a book, I might have even done the book of this, but because <laughs> I uh, I love the book, the book's great. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm really glad you liked it. I was I wasn't I was not worried about this because I know it's a <laughs> great movie. I know it stands up on its own. But I was really interested to see your opinion on more specifically the character of Rob. And, yeah, yeah, I mean,
1: I mean, he's a narcissistic piece of shit, but yeah my favourite film's Evil Dead 2, which (laughs) Ash is a narcissistic piece of shit, so... Yeah,
0: maybe even more so considering he's so happy to kill people with chainsaws Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly Hello, it's Future Bobby here, just following up on a point that was made in the main recording of the podcast, which I meant to follow up on, but we got off track The storyline where Rob gets a phone call and is going to follow up on getting the husband's record collection is actually done in the High Fidelity TV show which was released in 2020 starring Zoe Kravitz as a female version of Rob Zoe Kravitz is the daughter of Lisa Bonet who plays Marie DeSalle and Lenny Kravitz in case you didn't get that from the surname it is a really good TV show and it was cancelled after one series which is a shame because I really really enjoyed the show back to Past Bobby and past Tim for the outro. Great, I'm really glad you enjoyed that. What are we going to talk about in two weeks, Timothy? Well, as it will be the season,
1: it will be Christmas Tis time. Tis the season. Tis the season. We discussed this before we started recording. We want to talk about a Christmas movie, but the thing is, we've both watched a ton of them.
0: And the ones we keep suggesting we've both seen.
1: Yeah, so we decided, fuck it, it's Christmas. We want to have fun. We're going to talk about one. I think it's both our, one of our favourite Christmas movies. It's in my top five for sure. I think it's my favourite Christmas movie of all time. We're going to talk about Jingle All The Way.
0: Yeah, we are. It's... We'll, yeah. save, we'll save Die Hard and Home Alone for the future. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. I think this is just a movie where it's just dumb fun. You know, you have Arnold in it. You have Sinbad. You have commercialism, <laughs> commercialism just being made fun of. Oh, it's so good.
0: Yeah. Combo Man and
1: Booster can't wait I mean no one cares about Booster but you know hey hey yeah, yeah fair enough <laughs> yeah so that's what we'll be talking about in two weeks I'm honestly super pumped about it oh it's going to be so
0: good thanks for listening I'm really glad you enjoyed it and maybe just maybe we'll post a top five something very specific records or songs for certain things <laughs> just as a special social media list <laughs> and maybe we won't and i cut this bit out <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks for listening I'm Bobby Davies you can find me on Instagram at B davies underscore creative you can also follow my work with Purpose Wrestling at Purpose Wrestling everywhere except X where we are at Wrestle Purpose annoying I hate having to say that uh, subscribe to us on YouTube and if you become a paid subscriber on there or on Patreon you get full wrestling shows as if you were experiencing them live Timothy <laughs> and you can follow me on all social medias at the Tim
1: Martini I am very vain and if you want to follow the podcast on social media, we're on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at CC Society
0: Pod. You can email us at the email address ccsocietypod at gmail.com. And, you know, throw ideas at us. You know, we're, we're open. We're here for ideas. We're, can, uh, we're catching up on all the media that we've watched. Yes, yes. We're uh, running out. <laughs> nah, there's there's plenty to cover. <laughs> there's so much. They're making more than we can actually cover. That's true. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening. See you later. I'm not saying bye because they don't say anything.